today we're going to be looking at this reading from a new perspective. It's uh, going to be like we're going up to a lookout to have a look at a view. You can be on the ground and look at it straight through, or we can go up a few paths in different directions. We can get to the top and we're going to look over the top. So that's the plan today. So come on a journey with me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for the spiritual journey that together we're on. Lord, you know the people who are hearing this message and you know what we need to hear. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities and for the instructions that you give us from the Bible. Lord, I thank you for your love and I ask these words speak life into all of us today. Amen. Now the first path on our way to the lookout, we've got to look at a little bit of background at the time. Now the Pharisees are talking about marriage and they know that it's a good trick. They know that it's a good sort of contentious issue to talk about simply because Jesus' friend, you know, somebody that he'd known since childhood that you know, both his mother and Jesus' mother knew, had just had his head cut off for reminding Herod that uh, being married to your half-brother's wife is not a good idea. So the Pharisees knew that this would cause Jesus some grief to ask a question like that, even just to talk about marriage and divorce. You know, it's just a little bit contentious. And then the next one, now I've actually had legal advice on this one, legal advice from somebody in our church. Uh, and I think she's recovering from her party last night. <laughs> Adultery. Adultery is a funny, kind of, well, interesting crime a funny, peculiar crime, in that adultery can only be committed by men against men. Now, it's to have sex outside of marriage. If you you are a man and have sex with a married woman, you are committing adultery against the man that she is married to. Because in that time, a woman was owned by a man, and it's a, uh, the way that charge works is that you are charged with adultery against the woman's husband. So in that time, a woman could not commit adultery. So adultery is a, just a very specific charge that's been brought against people. Now, another thing always to remember, whenever we look at the Bible, when we go to the Bible, the Bible is in fact about God. I'm a very egocentric person. I would like the Bible to be all about me. I know it's about God's relationship with me, but it's actually about God. So when we read things in the Bible, we're learning more about God, and then in the process we learn about ourselves, rather than the Bible is going directly to talk talk about us. And 2 Timothy 3.16, there is a wonderful scripture... And it says, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is uh, good for rebuke, correction. What we can often do when we read that line is to say that all scripture means every individual verse in the Bible can be taken out, used to whatever purpose that we need it for. We can use a Bible verse to say, I want you to behave in a certain way, and then wrap it up with, all scripture is God-breathed. What I believe that line, all scripture, means is all scripture, so the whole Bible. 
So it's the whole Bible that we have to look at. Whenever we look at any verse and we're trying to understand what God is saying to us, we need to be looking at the whole Bible. We need to be looking at God in a much bigger way than rather than picking out individual verses. So now we're turning the corner on our path. So we've looked at a bit of background. Now we're starting up. The, the hill's getting a little bit steeper. Now when we look at the Bible, the Bible speaks in a number of different ways. If you were to quickly glance through the Old Testament, you will see histories, you would see poetry, prophecy, wisdom couplets in Proverbs, great stories, uh, a play. Job is uh, written like a theatre. It's written like a play. There are all kinds of exciting stuff, quotes, stories of God's interaction with his people. There's a lot of interesting ways that God communicates with people. He doesn't just choose one way to communicate. And then when God speaks to people, lots of people in the Bible have had completely different experiences of how God has spoken to them. In the story where Joseph is in jail, a pharaoh has a dream of seven fat cows and seven thin cows and uh, seven big bushels of wheat and seven hungry ones, lean ones. And he ne- that was God speaking to him. But the pharaoh couldn't understand it. He actually needed somebody to come and explain it. That's one way that God speaks. We've got Moses, he's speaking to God, and God gave him, wrote it down for him on some stone tablets. Samuel is asleep and God speaks to him in the middle of the night. So we've got God speaking to people in, in many different ways. Yeah, Elizabeth and Mary had God speak to them through an angel. And that was quite a different experience of God speaking to them than the way that Adam and Eve had God speak to them. And when we come to the New Testament, we can see God speaking again through Jesus. And David talked about last week that sometimes Jesus speaks with you know, a rhetorical flourish or he adds a lot of colour to bring his story to life. And Jesus said in last week's reading, uh, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And if your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. And David assured us that Jesus was not talking about self-harm at this point but Jesus was saying this is really important and he was just adding a lot of colour to the story so we can see that Jesus when he is talking to people you can see that sometimes he's talking by telling stories sometimes he's just chatting with friends other times he's talking in a very clear like in the Sermon on the Mount a very clear structured talk Uh, other times he's just having a bit of a rant Um, rhetorical flourishes he quoted the old testament sometimes there's prophecy uh, there's wisdom there's all kinds of ways that jesus chooses to talk to people and if we start looking at any of these and not understand the way that god is choosing to speak to his people we can easily miss what god is saying and the main thing that we learn when we hear what god is saying is we learn about god rather than learning what we should be doing. We are learning We are learning about God. We're learning about who God is, and in the process, we learn how to have a relationship with him. So now we come turning the corner again. Looking at the big picture of who God is, one of the key parts of understanding who our God is, is God is, we call a triune God. We talk about Trinity talk about the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Now something that is very, it's truly amazing about 
a three-part God, as many aspects that are incredible, but this is just one to consider today. Something that is truly amazing is this idea of selfless love. When you're on your own, you can't selflessly love somebody. When two people love one another, it can be selfish. It can be selfless, but it can be selfish. When three people genuinely love one another, the one person is as concerned about their love for the other two individuals as they are concerned for the relationship between the two, the other two in the relationship. Now, the only way that I can understand this is to consider this for myself. And I want, as I'm discussing this, for you to think about a relationship like this in your life. So rather than thinking about my one, I'd rather you try and just project a relationship that you would have like this in your life. I have a number of three-way relationships that are really special and important to me. I have a relationship with my mother and sister. It's really important to me that my mother and sister get on really well. It's really important that I get on well with my mother and I get on with my sister. And it's important that the two of them are together. Uh, Leanne and I have a relationship with each of our children. It's, it's important to me, my relationship with Leanne, my relationship with the kids, with, with that child, and Leanne's relationship with the child. I would do things to foster the relationship with the child. So uh, uh, that could be encouraging Leanne to go to have lunch with one of our daughters in the city. But the relationship that I want to just talk about at the moment is the relationship I have with my two daughters. And I would like, uh, just as I'm sharing this, think about a relationship that you have that is like this, where you have a relationship with two people. It could be the one that you have with your, both your parents. Uh, it could be anybody. But a relationship that you are just as concerned about the relationship the two have with each other as it, that you have with each of them. Now, with my girls, they're uh, twin girls and they're in their late 20s. One's in America at the moment and one lives in Maroubra. We chat on, on Skype or FaceTime about once a week with my daughter in Boston and we talk with the other one in Sydney. I'm very interested when I talk to them that my two girls are still talking to one another. And it actually excites me. I remember before they left, uh, they were only away for two years, uh, before, the, before my daughter left and went overseas, it warmed my heart to hear that uh, my daughter and husband, the, both their daughters and husbands, had met together to play a board game. You know, I'd heard this, that they were doing things like this at dinner. I wasn't there, but I was very excited about it because I could see the relationship was, was really solid. These things really meant something to me. And I often think about, uh, with my two girls, something that would really break my heart is if my two girls stopped talking to each other, if they had an irreconcilable fight. Now, they've had plenty of fights growing up. I've seen them fighting over Nintendo controller. I've seen them fighting over how much space you can have in the back seat of the car when you're driving, where there's one. I've seen all kinds of fights, and I've seen them all resolved. But it would really it'd just rip me apart now if my girls just had a big bust up and wouldn't talk to one another. I would be deeply, deeply upset. But I would still love them both individually. I wouldn't, like to get in, I wouldn't get involved in the fight. I wouldn't take sides in it. 
I would really want to be in a relationship with them. Now, if they did, if this did happen, if they did actually not talk to each other anymore, the next thing that would really rip me apart if was the friends that they have said, we're not talking to you now that you're not talking to your sister. We're actually going to be really, really nasty to you now. We're going to shun you from our community because you're no longer friends with your sister. That I would just be deeply upset. Okay, not only has my daughter, who I'm very close to, no longer got her, relation, her friendship with her own sister, her community's dumped her as well. This would just be terrible. And then if she felt she couldn't no longer talk to me because she'd broken up with her, her sister, I'd, I'd be devastated. I, I just can't describe the pain that that would, that, that, that would have, that I would feel. Like, I just can't describe it. It's just beyond, it's beyond even, even my thinking. And if, if something like this happened where my two girls didn't talk to one another, I would be praying that their communities would somehow be able to support them. I would, it would just, it would, would rip me apart. When we look at the triune relationship of God, this Trinity idea, we have these relationships everywhere as well. Jesus, we have God wanting to have a relationship with his people and Jesus wanting to have a relationship with us. Jesus was willing to go to the cross so we could have a relationship with God. You know, that's how much he cared about our relationship with God the Father. This three-way bit. When it comes to our relationships, God is right in the midst of it. He actually cares about the relationships we have with each other. And it would deeply, deeply hurt Jesus to see us breaking, having fights and splitting up into groups. Not that he's going to be cranky with us about it. He's not angry about it. It's just deeply, it's a deeply felt hurt feeling, this idea of breaking this important relationship because he cares as much about his relationship with the individuals as he does about their relationship with each other. Nearly at the lookout. So let's just look back down the path to see where we've come. We've looked at uh, what adultery is in that time. We've looked at Herod and the way that his life was a bit of a mess and he wasn't very happy about prophets speaking about marriage. We've looked at the idea of looking at the totality of the Bible and we're seeing what Jesus' selfless love is. I want us to have a look again at verses 5 to 9, bearing in mind what Jesus feels about marriage. When God comes into a marriage, he is as concerned about his relationship with each individual as he is concerned about the relationship between the individuals. This is a deeply felt, it's right, right at the core of who God is. These Pharisees come up to him, these clowns, just sort of walk in and go, gotcha, I've got a gotcha moment. Not only can we get you on the, uh, we'll get you to upset Herod, we can talk to you about some some laws from the past, we'll get you. And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus has been with his disciples. He's explained the true depth of what it is, what God actually is. He's really explained this. And these clowns have just turned up and said, we're going to get you on marriage. I can imagine if I was Jesus at that point, steam would just come out of my ears. Yeah, like it would just be, you'd be 
just going, I can't believe you clowns. I can't believe that you've done that, you bozos. But instead Jesus stayed quite calm. I thought he quoted the Old Testament. He actually didn't go into a full-blown rhetorical rant at that point, which I think any normal person would have. And he explained that, uh, yeah, look, yeah, look, divorce is not good, but because of your hardness of heart, okay, we've come up with a system, but I just don't like it. It just makes me uncomfortable. And Jesus stay calm. And then the disciples say to him again a bit later, Jesus, what about this stuff about divorce? And we get this reaction. This is where Jesus does actually let go. Like it's just completely over the top reaction here. And he goes, I'll tell you what, you want to know what divorce is? Do you want to know what it is? It's you'll be committing adultery again. If you divorce and get remarried, you're committing adultery. And women, you'll be committing adultery. You're thinking, hang on, Jesus, you know the rules. This isn't true. You know that that's not true at all. But Jesus is just having this massive rant. And uh, what we're really learning here about Jesus is how important relationships between two people are. Don't ever read into this, this idea that when you are divorced or separated, that you are in sin and you're being rejected by God. See it that Jesus really cares about relationships between people. Now, on the 4th of October... 2015, this scripture is speaking to all of us. If you're going through a divorce, our Lord is certainly not cranky with you. Not cranky at all. He's not upset at you. In fact, he is as upset about it as you are. Your relationships are as important to him as they are to you. He wants to stay in the relation he wants to definitely wants to stay in relationship with you during this time and he also wants you to stay in the church community. If you've got a friend or relative going through a divorce God is calling you to support them. He's not cranky with them. He's upset about it too in the same way that you would be. The last thing the Lord wants is for one of his followers who is having a hard time to be dumped by other followers. The Lord knows they need your support. If you have been divorced, God knows the pain that you're going through that you've gone through. He wants healing to flow and he wants to restore you to the person that he's called you to be. If you're getting married or are married, Know that God loves to see your relationship grow. He loves being part of it and he really wants it to grow. And finally, this is to all of us. This is to the singled, the widowed, divorced, married, or as Facebook might even say, to the it's complicated group. To quote Jeremiah 29, God has plans for you, plans to prosper and to give you a hope and a future. Amen.